0: Hello and welcome to one more episode of the All Plane Podcast. I have already lost count of how many articles have been written about the new normality, about how things will be, or are supposed to be, when we are able to travel again. The reality is that most of this is based on pure and simple speculation, because no one really knows. But well, at least some researchers have tried to dig a bit deeper into this matter. One of them is Pera Suárez Sanchez, an aviation researcher, senior lecturer at Cranfield University in the UK, and the Open University of Catalonia in Barcelona. Pera is the co-author, together with two other colleagues, of a research paper that outlines a number of potential scenarios for a post-pandemic air travel, based on data they have analyzed, as well as surveys they have conducted with senior industry leaders. I reached out to Pera to learn more about this research and get his views about how the future of air travel will look like. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest today. Hello, Pera. How are you? Hi, very good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Today, our guest is uh, Pera Suau, who is an academic working in the field of aviation and transportation. The reason I uh, thought it was a good idea to have him today here on the podcast is that He just co-authored a very interesting short paper on the impact of COVID-19 on the aviation industry. And we're going to comment this now. This paper is called An Early Assessment of the Impact of COVID-19 on Air Transport. Just another crisis or the end of aviation as we know it. This is the result of a collaboration between Cranfield University, the University of Edinburgh, and the Open University of Catalonia in Barcelona. Correct. So basically what you've done here with this paper is you have looked at data from the industry from the first half of the year, and you have also been talking with a number of people in the industry at high level, a cross section of different functional areas between the industry, airline executives analysts people that are in um, in aviation industry in different types of responsibilities can you tell us a bit more about how you work, how you started working on this paper and what what's the approach what, what were you trying to assess and then we uh, then we can see what what were the findings that you came across
1: yeah, sure. So, so yes, yeah, as, as you said, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we published an academic paper in the Journal of Transport Geography. We used, uh, as, as as you mentioned, uh, different sources of data. So basically, we looked at the two most reliable sources we had uh, at the moment in terms of aviation data. Uh, on the one hand, uh, OEG schedules, and for air cargo, we used Clive. Uh, like analytic, but the value the value of the analysis is on the in the semi structured interviews, as you said, we interviewed uh, sixteen senior managers from different companies of the aviation industry, so different types of airlines low cost and full service carriers, but also regional airlines, airports of different size, and also some 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 consultancies and and data companies, so in total. 16 experts. The interviews were anonymous. That that that's an important aspect because you always get a more open view when when interviews are anonymous. And we started relatively early to do the interviews, so we started the, the 19th of March and we finished the interviews the 17th of April. So was three days of the lockdown uh, in at least in in Europe, no. Yeah, um, And this is this is an important point. So basically, the results that we are reporting are reflecting on, on the first impressions of the industry. So we also think that these interviews have some value from that point of view. So maybe in a year, if we do again the exercise, we will be able to compare it. And, and we think that that has some value as well. So basically, we started reaching the industry to try to understand a bit better what was going on. And very quickly... I realized that after the second conversation that, that there was potential here to, to structure a bit better the interviews and, and try to come up with an academic paper that could contribute to the, to, to the analysis of, of the current crisis.
0: Now we're going to review the different points and the different findings you came across. But Basically, you looked at how the industry might change in terms of capacity, at how the impact might be different depending on the type of airline, whether it's a full service network carrier, a, a regional airline, a low cost airline. Then you also looked at the, the opportunities and, and challenges as well for airlines in terms of customer rights, how this affects our reputation, how airlines behave during this very unusual period. Then you looked um, also at, well, it, it's just a um, speculation at this moment but at possible impacts on uh, pricing going forward and how different groups of travelers uh, might be affected Whether its business and leisure and also the um, effect of state aid how this government involvement might have its own set of impact as well on the industry so i suggest we look at what you found when conducting this analysis. Your area of research in normal times, let's say, it's uh, very focused on networks, right? And how airlines deploy capacity and how networks develop. So what did you find in this area? Uh, Are we going to see a rebuilding of the networks as they were before the crisis? Or airlines are going to rethink the whole structure of the networks the capacity how they use this capacity uh etc etc
1: well it's difficult to to give a um, a clear explanation on on what will happen but we're starting to see what what could potentially happen in the short term what we see is that that airlines are basically trying to reveal the the networks with another perspective than the past so basically they are looking data from aggregators and other other platforms that sell data on short-term bookings and on how many times potential customers are are looking for travel between two cities. So they are trying to build the the network based on that, on where's the demand at this moment, not necessarily on, on where was the demand previously. Obviously, each market has its own characteristics, and this will probably remain and and the markets that are interesting for Germans will still be interesting for them in the future uh, and the same applies to other countries no um, but um, but in the short term, what we are seeing is that the rebuild of the network is highly based on what are the needs of customers now because the demand is not really. Coming back altogether in a homogeneous way is coming back highly fragmented, highly uneven, and airlines are trying to to respond to that in the short term. In the medium and and longer term, or contrary the the, having a longer perspective on the recovery, which was uh, more the focus of our paper, what what we saw is that all experts um, had a similar view that there would be increasing concentration in larger market, larger markets from the perspective of size and the perspective of yield. uh, There was an agreement that a smaller airport would would have a very slow recovery and that also secondary airports in airport systems and regional airports would have also a a slow recovery, basically because, sorry,
0: yeah? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention here that one of the things that you mentioned in your report is that Actually, uh, first that, yeah, as you mentioned, the uh, secondary airports that were um, basically have benefited from the low-cost airlines mainly opening all these, all these new routes in, in recent years, they, they might be suffering. And, but also this might have an interesting effect, is that it might turn the main airports more competitive. So uh, the full-service carriers might uh, be facing stronger pressure there as uh, low-cost airlines move into the major hubs to take advantage of of the extra capacity the yeah. sorry extra
1: capacity airport capacity not airline capacity that, that that becomes available yeah so so it's interesting because it seems that there are forces pulling the market in different directions so it's true that on the one hand what we will see is further consolidation of the market so in other words less competition and that in some routes, in some thin routes, we might see less competition as well because the market is smaller and less airlines will be operating in thin routes. But on the other hand, as, as you mentioned, clearly all experts seem to, to point towards higher level of competition in, in larger airports, especially in hub airports, which uh, traditionally have been dominated by a single airline. And this could potentially be the result of the available capacity that will be at these hub airports, allowing the entry of of new of new carriers no? so I think that the landscape uh, the competition landscape will potentially change, and it's still early to see whether whether low cost carriers will enter aggressively in in these hub markets. but it's a possibility, and the industry Uh, is concerned about it.
0: And another point you mentioned in your report is that some of the airlines that might be hardest hit by this situation are the full service carriers that are heavily reliant on network, uh, meaning on the transfer traffic that goes through the main hub. Thinking here about the airlines like Emirates, uh, KLM, Singapore Airlines, those are airlines that don't have a large um, home market per se, but they rely on moving all these people through their hubs. So
1: those are, according to your report, uh, the ones that are uh, likely to be hardest hit. Yeah, well, what we saw is that generally the, the view and, and data uh, confirms that is that uh, low-cost carriers were more resilient. Uh, basically, they could fly for longer and they are also resuming their operation sooner as they have um, uh, their network has a, a smaller scope. They basically fly short haul. Uh, whilst full service network carriers, obviously, they are focused on the long haul business, and this means that obviously they are uh, more affected by, by the different external. Uh, dynamics or, or the closure of markets that might might be around the world in different countries,
0: and also the economic situation. So- I guess is going to affect them more heavily because if lots of people have been personally financially hit by the economic disruption of the last few months, possibly the uh, low cost carriers are in a better situation to
1: to get most of these more uh, budget conscious. Generally, uh, what we've seen in, in crisis, not only in this one, is that those airlines that have a a leaner cost structure have uh, more chances to survive than those that have a, a heavier cost structure. Generally, full service network carriers would have this this a uh, uh, cost structure that it's, that is less leaner than 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 the low cost carriers. You no, know? so that indeed would difficult their survival.
0: Mm -hmm. And when it comes to prices, you also point out there might be two contradictory effects going on at the same time, and it's not clear which one is going to prevail. On one side, you have airlines facing costs and having to recover losses. So that might in theory push prices up. On the other hand, you might have demand that it's not Recovering as fast as supply, so that might uh, lead to some oversupply in the market, and that might depress prices
1: yeah, the experts uh, couldn't agree on on the on the pricing aspect which uh, which means that you know all the debates that we've seen during the last months around the possibility of having higher prices or lower prices are not only outside the industry are not only in the newspapers and the headlines, but also within the industry. So if we leave aside the fact that, you know, whether we leave seats uh, empty for social distancing and all that, that clearly what we are seeing, at least in Europe, is, is, this is not going to happen. And that the, re- the recommendations of the European Commission and the Air Safety Agency is that it can be full and there's no need for social distancing in, in aircraft cabins. This this means that airlines have the possibility of filling the the cabin, and this allows them to basically try to provide those uh, lower prices. No, it's it's difficult to know. I think that, that the airlines what they've been doing in all crises and and it's happening again in this one is that they try to stimulate the market with lower prices. And the last, if we look at data from the last couple of couple of weeks, what we will see is that the ticket prices are between 5% and and 15% lower than than the same week uh last year and that was also true for the the first weeks of March just before the lockdown we saw Many airlines that were uh, reducing their ticket prices by around 15, 15%. So clearly, airlines are doing an effort to stimulate demand with lower prices. Yet, this does not mean that that we will see maybe in some routes higher prices. Uh, you know, it's it's a big unknown. At least in the interviews, was a, an unknown what will happen with with business travelers and what, with long haul that maybe you know there was a feeling that maybe in these particular segments, we might see uh, higher prices. And the other thing is that we will probably see as well some additional airport charges related to more security and health screenings no, in, in airports, which may uh, add on, 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 the, on the airline price. No? So overall, the, the, the feeling is that we won't see significant changes in, in ticket prices but we might see in some markets lower prices and in other markets slightly higher prices. And there's there's something interesting to mention here related to the what you said about overcapacity. Something that, that we're seeing um, this summer, and I think that this has been reported for both the US and for Europe, is that airlines are um, trying to schedule more capacity or a slightly more capacity than the demand that they are expecting. As a way of trying to stimulate the market, so basically showing passengers a, an you know certain level of frequent frequencies, but this that doesn't mean that these frequencies will will end up flying. Some airlines what they are doing is that they are they might cancel some of these scheduled flights to consolidate demand in in a single flight. In other words, you are showing the passenger that uh, the customer that you have an extensive uh, number of frequencies but uh, you end up consolidating passengers in one single flight which means that you can basically stimulate demand but on the other hand you can still feel the aircraft instead of flying three em- uh, half empty aircraft you're f- flying one full aircraft which allows you to keep prices uh, down of course this is this is you know, a, a technique that might be positive in terms of pricing, but also has some some ne- negatives no? from the perspective of what it means for the passenger, uh, a change in their schedule or a change of, of day in their flight um, and what it means also uh, for the industry in terms of reputation.
0: Yeah, you mentioned reputation as well in, in your report because there's a kind of practical issue here that has been going on for quite a few weeks. Is is how airlines are handling the the passenger requests for refunding and rescheduling. And you mentioned that this crisis is also a opportunity for airlines to put their record straight. To differentiate themselves based on, on the approach to customer rights with a view to long term reputation. Also, there, there's a number of airlines that have been, airlines or governments that have been lobbying the European Union to loosen up a bit these regulations that are in place regarding. What can you tell us about this?
1: So, here, I mean, the, the, the discussion around refunds is not new. It's been there for a long time and airlines have clearly expressed their opinion about the refund uh, regulation, the 261. They don't like it and they've been very vocal about it in the last few years. So it's nothing new. The difference now is that obviously there's a tension now between the short-term need for for keeping uh, a positive cash flow and the long-term need of keeping passengers happy and reputation levels high which is not easy to solve. In the 15th of the 15th of May, the European Commission published a recommendation report saying that they expect airlines to basically follow the regulation, so there won't be flexibility from that point of view from the regulator point of view, but what they do is that they suggest airlines to be a bit more creative with the vouchers. So trying to to basically give vouchers to passengers that for instance can be changed from one person to another so they are not linked to to your name, um and so on. No. So to basically making to making more them more attractive in order to to make the passenger ch- choose the the voucher instead of the refund. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this tension um, and the European Commission has decided not to step back on, on this probably because this is part of a long-term discussion and they might think that if they do a step back now it would be very difficult for the Commission uh, to, to go back to the to the original re- regulation. No? But but what it's what I think that it's interesting of this is that in the interviews the in the interviewees they were recognizing private that that there was that that tension and that you know in an ideal world they would like to refund passengers but obviously they have. Problems now in the short term that prevent them from from doing it as as quick as they would like so um, i think that what this brings us is to the idea to 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 the idea to the fact that maybe if we are thinking in the recovery and if we think about the future in uh, the future of the industry maybe this industry needs to be rebuilt thinking as well not only in profitability uh, not only in in improving margins, but also improving their reputation and, and having a better relationship with their customers. We also, during the last two, three, four years, we've been discussing a lot no, the the impact of environment on the reputation of, yes, of the that, business.
0: That's another topic I wanted to, to bring up uh, next, because here there's an interesting dimension now, is that We've got all this government funding going to the airlines now. Some have seen here an opportunity to enforce or to accelerate this uh, environmental transition in the airline industry. So uh, making this conditional, this state aid to the fulfillment of certain uh, environmental conditions uh, or environmental initiatives. Uh, do you think that's going to happen? Uh, that's gonna, we're going to see uh, an acceleration of this already existing uh, move towards more environmentally friendly airlines, but now with all this um, public pressure on top of that, it's going to be faster?
1: Yeah, I think that that this type of crisis, usually what they do is that they ex- accelerate existing tendencies, and this is valid not only for the airline industry, but also for, for the industries. Clearly, there was, uh, there was increasing pressure from, from different governments uh, and different political parties across Europe to basically achieve some, for instance, a good example is the, the substitution of short-haul flights by high-speed train. That has been an, an important debate in, the, in different EU countries during the last uh, couple of years. Yeah, actually, and, Fran- France has
0: been one of the countries that has taken a tougher stance on this, right? In France, uh, if, they, I don't know if that was conditional to the uh, reception of state aid by the Air correct. France group, but there, there's been a push to discontinue many of their domestic services where there's... Correct, yeah.
1: So the, the, the state aid for Air France is conditioned to... The stopped uh, or the substitution of, of flights by high-speed train in domestic routes that are shorter than two and a half hours by train. So yes, so yeah. In the case of uh, France, what we what we have seen is that the estate aid uh, toward France uh, is linked to certain conditions, and one of them is the end of flights. Where there's um, the possibility of taking the high-speed train, so that you can substitute the the, the domestic flight with a high-speed train link that it's shorter than two and a half hours and and is not harming uh, connectivity to long-haul flights. So we've seen as well in in Austria. Uh, yes,
0: but that's with the pricing, uh, right? There there is a floor correct. on ticket prices, but to be honest. This has been dressed as a sort of environmental measure, but there are also many that are saying that that's because of protectionism. And actually, Austria is one of the places where the the local airline were, had been complaining for a long time about its survival being threatened by uh, the very intense low cost presence
1: at their at their hub airport. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the the. Austria has released a package of measures. One of them is the one that you're mentioning, the, the minimum price for short-haul flights. Uh, but also, um, there's a, an additional tax related to CO2 emissions. If I'm if if I'm correct, so so we'll we'll see more of this, but we were already in that process. So it will basically accelerate the existing dynamics. And I think that from the industry, you know. Airlines need to understand that this will happen this will happen sooner or later, and I think that they will eventually try to adapt their business model to the to the new environment, which basically in certain city pairs it's uh, more difficult to fly because there will be alternatives and and regulation will will try to force passengers to move to the high-speed train. Um, this is this is important in, from the perspective that many of these city pairs represent a significant share of, of the passengers.
0: Actually, um, and just to, to wrap it up, uh, one of the things that you hint at in the report is that we might be seeing a smaller, a smaller aviation industry in years to come, which is kind of a break from the trend we had been seeing in the last few years of ever growing, growing, growing. And this is something that came out of the interviews uh, that were admittedly, they were conducted at the very peak of the pandemic, possibly at the the very worst of this uh, period. But do you personally see this happening? So you you think we are gonna see an extra stagnation or even a, a decrease in the in the size of the industry, or, or that's gonna be more like what happened with the SARS crisis in two thousand and three, that, that saw a very sharp drop and then a recovery and then growth again.
1: Well, it seems that the recovery will be will be slow, uh, and the industry is pointing towards 2023-2024. So it will be slow. It will it will be smaller from the perspective of having less players and maybe smaller companies. And we've seen uh, several companies, uh, several airlines being um, going bankrupt in the last few months. The last one actually yesterday, Level Europe, uh, which was operating out of Vienna, which was a, a market that had become very competitive and and had lower yields because of, of that. What we will probably see is that airlines focus on, on those markets that provide better yields. And I, and I think that, you know, if, 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 you, if you look at what are, what are the CEOs of airlines saying, they, most of them point towards a, a smaller industry and a smaller companies. The CEO of Iberia, the, the next CEO of IAG actually in September, he said that Iberia would be a smaller company for many many years and that they would be smaller and i think that companies will try to be leaner and be ready for for the next crisis so i have the feeling that aviation will always be important and and we will see strong numbers and and we will see how the airline uh, the airline industry recovers but for that we we'll have to wait the <laughs> virus needs to we need to wait a bit the virus needs to be behind us and also we need to remember for the international markets for the intercontinental travel there's no alternative so there's an alternative in the for some markets for some short haul markets like high speed train but there's no substitution for flying between continents that's why aviation will will always be important as the backbone of the global economy i think that we need to be confident of
0: course. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, being able to discuss these findings. If people want to f- find out more about your uh, work and your research, your writings, uh, where can they find you?
1: They can just Google my name or they can just go to perasuao.com and they will they will find uh, all, all my activities. And obviously they can co- contact me anytime and I'm happy to. To share our articles and our research and we are open open and always happy to to interact with with the industry
0: great thank you very much and hopefully have you uh, here in the podcast uh, sometime in the future to continue monitoring what's going on in the aviation industry thank you very much Pera
1: thanks Miguel